0: Uh, my name is Zach, uh, one of the pastors here. I want to thank you for coming if you're uh, a first or second timer here. Um, before we get rolling, I do just want to um, say thank you to some wives in this place because um, uh, we had 34 guys at our men's night, many of them which are husbands, and, um, and so thank you wives for allowing them the opportunity to join us for the men's night 34 guys, um, we had 26 of them um, sign up for, um, we call it our DNA study groups, and, and there's a, a new piece of our DNA study group that we're doing, namely, uh, it's about accountability, and and so uh, several of your husbands got signed up to be in a group in which one of the things they're held accountable for is um, praying with their wife uh, three times a week, Uh I just saw a guy, I won't name his name, Carrie, uh, who, who, just, who just went like this. Shh. Yeah, I'm saying that out loud, men, because, uh, because now your wife know. Now they know uh, and so when it's Thursday and you've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday to finish things up, um, they know that you're at least praying with them on, on those days. Um, and then there's some other items of accountability there, too. So I'm excited because I, I think it's an opportunity for um, the men here at the Mission Church to just go, you know what? I need help. It's not easy to be a godly husband, to be a godly father, just to be godly parents. Period, And so we need other men in our lives, and we also need some wives who are there to go, hey, how can I help you um, do what you're supposed to do? Um, and, and so, uh, and if you're wondering, okay, there was 34 guys and only 26 signed up. What happened to the other eight? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I actually text some of those other eight. I'm like, hey, I, I saw that you accidentally forgot to, to sign up for a group. Uh, no big deal. I got your back. Um, and, and then I realized, you know what? I shouldn't even have had a sign up. I know all these guys' emails anyway. I'll just put them in a group and, and they get a Christmas present in, in their in their email. Oh, I'm a part of a group now that I'm held accountable for. So I just might do that for you other eight. Um, out of love and grace. All right. Ephesians chapter 6. If you have a Bible, please turn there. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up here. Um, um, on, on the, the projector. And then we also have some Bibles in the back, so um, on your way out, if you don't have a Bible, please take one. We'd love for you to have one. I'm going to read just one verse here. It says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So here's what happened. Um, this week ended up being one of the busiest weeks I've had in a very, very long time, and I like to take care of my sermon prep on Monday, but then it got pushed to Tuesday, but then it got pushed to Wednesday, but then it got pushed to Thursday, and before I knew it, I had the sermon notes written without the sermon up here fully in my head. So, the very first half of this sermon notes, you get like two weeks in advance on this. Uh, you can, uh, because we're not going to preach on it, because... Uh, as I was working through the sermon this morning, I just realized, okay, they probably want to get out of here at a decent hour. It's just going to take me way too long. And, and here's really what happened. Um, as I was working through this text, I came to a verse. So back up one more step. I've preached on this passage, like I think I counted four times in the past ten years. Um, and, and I've always just kind of quickly moved uh, through the very first part of this verse. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Here's why. It never really struck me. You ever read some verses in the Bible that strike you? You're like, oh, I needed that. And then you read other verses and you're like, clearly that's not for me because I'm better than that. Any, Anyone? <laughs> Me neither. It never happens to me either. And, and, and so I, I just thought, okay, we're not going to deal with that verse. We'll just kind of deal with the last half. And I really wanted to focus on um, legacy as parents. But then I kind of got stuck on this, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And, 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 and maybe this sermon, maybe you don't need it and I just need it. And that's what God's trying to do this morning is me to preach a sermon at me. Um, So here's what's going to happen, is this was supposed to be one sermon, it's going to now be two. Um, This morning we're going to talk about this unique phrase, um, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Um, And then February 5th, uh, I'm not preaching next week, Dan gets to preach on an awesome subject, um, namely about this reality that there is a God. There are angels, and, and get this, get this, I know that this is way off in a wonderful land or a horrified land that doesn't exist except in movies, is there is a such thing as a devil and there is such thing as, 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 as demons. It's, it's a real deal. And he, so he's going to talk about, like, what does that look like? What does that mean in our lives today? Um, and so come next week. And then the fifth, Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to jump back into parenting. And by the way, I do not get this. Every Super Bowl Sunday, our attendance goes down. I just want to remind you, the game starts at four. The, the, the game starts at four. Um, so, so like, you have no excuse. It's just, I had to say that. That is not out of guilt. That's just out of shame. I don't know. I, I just, I need you here. need you here. So, let's look at this verse. Before we do, I just, I just want to pray over this time, um, and, and hopefully it can be a word of encouragement for you. Heavenly Father... For some of us, we're not parents, and for some of us, our kids are grown, and so maybe we're like, I don't think I need this message, but God, remind us that, that for these young people here, they're probably going to be parents someday, and, and for those that have children that are grown, they're probably going to have some grandbabies that, that, that maybe they need to hear this for the sake of their grandkids. Or they need to hear this for the sake of coming alongside another parent who's going to struggle and and so they can pour into them. God, just just remind us that we all need what we're about ready to read here. And I pray that it would be refreshing, it would be encouraging, and that it would be empowering. Because I know I'm not the only one who needs help raising kids. Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Anyone need help raising kids? Seriously, only like some of you have this figured out. How many of you got it figured out? You got this parenting thing figured out, okay? Exactly. So we all need... Can I get an amen? amen. It's okay if we amen in church. So he, he, here's, here's the thing. I, I've read this verse many a times in, in my life, just just reading through it. I, I've been a Christian um, a long time, grew up in church, grew up to go into Christian school. So I've always read this. And to be honest, I would read this verse, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And I never really really got it. It never really struck me. And here's the reason why. When I read this, I I get this picture in my mind of a dad coming home and just start picking a fight with his five-year-old or his eight-year-old, or his 12-year-old. Just, just out of nowhere, daddy wants to get into it with his kid. And, and I realize, unfortunately, that does happen in some horrible households where a dad will just come home, and, and for some reason, he just goes after his kids. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't my home, and I realize that It for a lot of you, maybe not all of you, but for a lot of you, you didn't grow up in a home where your dad would provoke you to anger. And so you read this and go, okay, I, I, don't, I don't really need this. Or you're a father now, and you're like, I'm never going to provoke my child to anger. Sickening. And, and, and by the way, the idea here is, is not just provoke to anger, but it's do not provoke them to discouragement. Do not provoke them to disheartenment. Do not provoke them to, to just emotional brokenness. Fathers don't do that. And then... I, I don't know if I want to call this God's grace, but 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 thanks to my children, this verse is starting to become real. L- let let me explain. Let me start by saying this: I've not arrived as a parent. I I I just. I think we all understand that, but I just want to lay the groundwork and just go, I'm, I'm still growing in this. I'm, I still don't have this figured out. I'm a better preacher of this message than I am a, an applier of this message. I need this message just as much as, as every single one of you here. But, but so I've got four kids. I've got a five. I've got a three. I've got an almost two. I've got an eight-month-old. And, and as my kids were born, this verse never, ever struck me until quite recently. And here's how it struck me. It struck me to the point where for the first time ever, now please give me grace, please give me grace. For the first time ever, I have felt tempted to provoke my children a little bit. I know, just just let me explain and we'll get there. Because at this point you're like, "Um, does someone have the number for CPS? Uh, But... There have been moments, I wish I could say there was like two or three and I, and I can count them on one hand. I don't have enough hands or feet to count how many times. I've been tempted to, 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 to provoke my children to a little bit of frustration, to a little bit of shame, to a, a, a little bit of, um, you know, uh, disheartenment. And, and here's the reason why. They provoke the heck out of me. Anybody? Anybody got a kid who provokes them? Anyone? So, so uh, let me just give you one example of $10,000 um, A week and a half ago, I'm downstairs, and, and my children's room is, is right next to the, the downstairs room that I'm in. And all of a sudden, I hear, I don't, I don't see, I hear my son, five-year-old son, Hit my daughter Zoe. Again, I don't see, I hear. I hear the noise of a hand hitting, I'm quite certain it was a back, and then of course, instantly, what what's to follow? Um, the tears of a three-year-old. And so um, here's what I do, dads, moms, I take I take a few deep breaths. Anyone take a deep breath? Anyone have breathing exercises they do on a daily basis, hourly basis, minute basis? So I Zephaniah. That this is me act- just shaking it out shaking it out maybe you don't do that you have other ways you got a stress ball I don't know what it is Zephaniah get in here please and I, I do I, I take some deep breaths okay and I, and I go through the, the disciplinary cycle if you, if you will the, the conversation the do you know what you did the apology all of that and I think I'm good Okay, I'm good. He's good. I said, okay, okay. Knock that one out of the park, Zach. Good job. Okay, you, you, may, you may go play. Please don't, don't do that again. Please don't do that again. I am not exaggerating one bit. Not five seconds later. Not, not However long it takes Zephaniah to walk from one room to the next. It, it was probably uh, about 10 feet. So I don't know. He could probably cover that ground in about four seconds or less. Um, In about four seconds, I hear these words utter out of his mouth the moment he leaves the room and enters into the room that Zoe's in. Zoe, this is a five-year-old, mind you. Zoe, if you say that again, I'm going to punch you. I've officially been provoked. (laughs) I'm serious. I've officially been provoked. And, 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 and all of a sudden, this verse makes a whole ton of sense. I think it's interesting. I don't think I'm reading too much in, into understanding what this text reads. If you backtrack and you start in verse 1, it says this. Children, so this one's to children. Zephaniah, this one's for you. I love you, brother. Um, children, obey your parents... In the Lord, for this is right, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So um, children obey, children Honor, and then he has a word for fathers. Do not provoke them to anger. Here's what I think is going on. As the apostle Paul writes this, because he writes this letter, he's actually in prison. As he writes this and he's writing, children, obey your parents. He knows that daddies are reading this, going, ha ha. ha, 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 ha. My kids ain't gonna obey me. They break this all the time. And then he goes, and, and by the way, dads. Don't provoke your kids to anger. They will disobey you. They will dishonor you. And it's going to happen Monday through Sunday. They don't take vacations. They, they don't, right? I mean, maybe at like thirteen they start figuring it out. But I've heard that thirteen ages. Uh, I see some. I see some heads doing some violent nose. Violent nose. Um, but it still says, hey dads, and, and by the way, th- this is for moms too, but it's singling out dads because dads, and I think you know this, dads, you have a unique position as a father in the home. Where in a way, in a very unique, but in a very distinct way, you are the leader of the home. Mom, we, we follow in this, but, but dads, this starts with you. And I can't help but wonder if dads maybe are a little more... Um, are, are 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 more apt to fall into this maybe than than mothers, maybe, maybe not. And he says, even when they're disobeying you, don't 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 dishearten them. Don't frustrate them. So how 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 do you discipline? I, I can't help but wonder if this verse is talking about discipline. How do we? Discipline, and, and discipline well. And, and here's why I think this is important. Um, I do not have psychological stats to back this up. Um, I, I'm sure I could find them. You can find any stat to say whatever you want, by the way. Um, but we all know that. Um, but, but here's, I, I think I've just found, and I think that you would agree. That there are a lot of adults that grow up, and their identity is fractured. Not simply because of how they were raised, but rather how they were disciplined as a child. You you are shaped so much by how you were disciplined as a kid. And so I think this is important. So I read in a book... um, fantastic book, I commend it to all of you parents here, Shepherding the Child's Heart. It's by Ted Tripp, and, and he talks a little about discipline in there, and he says something that I think is really, really important that I, that I want to draw out, and I want us to look at here, and he says this, he says, the aim of your discipline should never, ever be punitive. Now, some of you are like, okay, that's a big word, um, punitive, that makes you sound really smart, that's why I used it, um, but, but here's what it means. The idea of punitive is I'm going to discipline you in accordance of you paying for your sin. You did this, so the consequence is going to be this. So the easiest way to probably um, look at this is uh, it, you look at our court of law, our justice system, at least for adults, maybe not for juveniles, but for our court of law, the aim of judgment is almost always punitive. It, it, it's, it's never this idea of, of um, we, we want them to be re- rehabilitated. Like we'll say that like, yeah, we want our prisoners rehabilitated. Well, then why did you give them a life sentence? And and I'm not knocking our justice system. I'm just using it as an example. You kill a guy, your judgment's going to be punitive. You're either getting life or you're getting the death penalty. You rape someone, you're going to get 10, 20, 30, 40 years. You steal something. You you do a crime and you are going to pay for it. You touch the oven, you're going to get burned. So there's there's these consequences for your actions. The aim is, I want you to feel the weight of your sin. And I can't help but wonder how many of us, maybe not purposefully, but accidentally fall into this. Where our discipline to our kids is for the most part punitive. They hit a friend or they... Um, talk back to you, and, and what do you do? Go, go to your room. And then maybe you go up there, hey, do you know what you did is wrong? Yeah. Okay, don't do it again. Boom, we're done. And, and that, that's our form of, of punishment. It, 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 it's punitive. My five-year-old taught me this profound lesson. He's actually been teaching it to me for about a year, and I caught on like a few weeks ago, a month or two ago. Um. Have your children ever disobeyed you to the degree that you're just like I, I, I have I have no words like like tell me why you thought it was a good idea to throw that toy at the TV just just help me understand anyone ever been just at a loss for words so so this happens not quite on a daily basis but but this happens in the Dunkley household I again my kids aren't perfect yet we're you know give us a year and a half um, but. But there's times where Zephaniah, or Zoe for that matter, but, but Zephaniah is our oldest, um, where he'll do some things he knows he shouldn't do. Utter disobedience. And I'll be so just, like, I don't even know what to say. What, what will come out of my mouth is, why did you do that? What, why did you punch that? Why did you throw a toy? Why, why did you do these things you know you shouldn't do? And you know what his answer is? Every single time I ask this question of why did you do that? Almost every single time. Not I don't know. Uh uh-uh. my, my, my son is now five years old. He has progressed. It's I wanted to. I wanted to. What do you do with that? Stop wanting to, all right? It's like stop. And, and to the point where I'd get a little frustrated, but I'd get to the point where I'm like, you, you know, just at least tell me, like, someone did something to you. Like, like t- give me something legitimate like you were forced to. I, I don't know. You wanted to? And then somewhere along the lines, it, it clicked. He's making a pretty profound, I would say, theological statement. Because <laughs> I would ask him, what do you mean you wanted to? Didn't you know that this was wrong? Yeah. Didn't you know you shouldn't do this? Yeah. Didn't you know you're going to get disciplined? Yeah. So why did you do it? I wanted to. I wanted to. And here's what I realized. Desire often outweighs punishment and consequences. This is why punitive punishment can be dangerous down the line. Is you're going... All right, don't do it, and if you do, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. But you know what's going to happen to your 13-year-old boy? They're going to want to look at pornography. They're going to want to. You know what's going to happen to your teenager who's dating? They're going to want to cross that line with their boyfriend or girlfriend. They're going to want to go to that party. Everyone else is doing it, so so I'm going to do it too. They are going to run into situations, not as a 12, not as a 15-year-old, not as an 18-year-old, but... Legitimately, as a 21-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 35-year-old, they are going to come into situations, they know I should not flirt with her, I'm married, but something in them is going to go, but I want him. But I, but I want him. And after a while, what happens? The desire overtakes the discipline the desire outweighs the consequences I know I'm going to receive. And all of a sudden, it, 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 it struck me, and I'm sure this is written in 10,000 books elsewhere, but the aim of our parenting is not simply for them to feel the weight of their sin. I think that's definitely part of it. But the aim of our discipline is to help them have desires that will overcome the consequences. I don't know about you, I don't want to raise a child who's going to make right decisions out of fear of getting in trouble. You've just created a very legalistic culture there, and and we all know how that goes. Fall into guilt and you fall into shame real quickly when you blow it. I want my children to grow up and do the right thing because they want to. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but this raises a very fantastic question. How in the world do you discipline children to where their desires change? How in the world do you discipline not just a 12-year-old, but, but a 2-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 10 year old, how do you discipline your child in a way that's not just going to help them see the weight of their sin, but give them a desire not to sin? Because let's be real, they want to sin because there's some joy in that. Your kids ain't sinning. Let's be real. I know, I know, I know you. You sin because it's fun. But how do we discipline our kids, or maybe even ourselves, to the point where our desires shift, where we don't want to sin because we have a greater desire? How do we, how do we discipline our kids that way? Now, um, I think that this is, this is probably a book or two or three in, 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 in process here that could be written by someone hopefully a lot smarter than me. But here's a starting point. And it's the starting point and the ending point. And there's a whole bunch of information that we don't have time to go into, but, but, but I think it's worth just kind of giving a 30,000-foot level. I, I, the way that we do this is we discipline our children the way that God disciplines His children. And when you look at scripture, you'll you'll find that there's three progressive ways God seems to discipline his children. First one we need to see is God literally does discipline his kids. Those of you who who call yourself a follower of Christ, you are a child of God. That's your identity. You are a son. You are a daughter. And in in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. God disciplines his sons. He he disciplines us out of love. And and, and here's the first aspect of the way that God disciplines us. And and I think that for the most part, we actually got this down. The way that God disciplines us is he gives us over to the consequences of our actions. In love, he gives us over to the consequence of, of, of how we've sinned or what we've done wrong. And so in a way, it is this, this punitive discipline. It is this, I want you to feel the weight of what you did. And as parents, in, in, in many ways, we have to manufacture that. Like if I go out to the stage here, my mom and my dad are not here. Um, and if I go out on the stage and, uh, let's see, okay, Chip. If I threw a punch at Chip, all right, there's going to be consequences to that action, First of all, I'm going to get beaten down. Trevin. I'm going to need you to step in and break that up, okay, if that happens. But there's going to be consequences to that. If I go throw a punch at someone, there's going to be natural consequences to it. Either the police is showing up or the ambulance is too, probably both. But as parents, in many ways, you are this Police. You are this, okay, you can't hit your sister. Okay, you, you do not talk back to me. Because if you play that way outside of this home, there's going to be some natural consequences. I want you to feel the weight of them here. And so as parents, we model after God where we do have to, to punish our kids. Let them feel the weight of what they did is wrong. And, and by the way, hopefully this is consistent. Like, sometimes you're just tired. Like, I don't want to discipline them. Don't do that again. Okay, good. But really what you need to do is sit down and have a long chat. But God doesn't stop there. That's why this is significant, because I think a lot of parents, maybe not intentionally, but we stop here. Okay, they felt the weight of their consequences. They'll figure it out, right? Well, two hours goes by, and you realize they don't. And remember, our, our goal is to change their desires. And so, God does not simply stop at letting us feel the weight of our consequences. He actually reconciles us. He actually restores us. Look at what 2 Corinthians 5 says. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation... The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that in Christ God, he was reconciling the world, that is people, to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. We need to understand that God does not simply say, You don't say that to her. Now I'm going to discipline you. He says, You don't say that to her. Now I'm going to discipline you. But come here. You need to know you're forgiven. You need to know that what you did was wrong, but you need to know you are forgiven. You are loved. And so a lot of you guys know this because I have shared this before. What I try and do every time every time Zephaniah or Zoe does something is, is I, I, do, I want them, okay, you, you need to go to your room on this. And most of the time they'll, they'll start crying and, and they'll go sit on their bed and, and then I'll go in and we'll, we'll feel the weight of it. What did you do? You no, know, I, I hit Zoe. Should you have done that? No. I said, No, you don't do that. And here, here's why that's not loving. Do you want someone to hit you? No. It's not loving, is it? No, no, it's not. And I say, Who am I? And, and, and they'll look at me and they'll go, Daddy. And, you know, eyes down a little bit. Saying, How much does dad love you? And they go, this much? I say, "Uh uh-uh. And then they try and tackle me, and sometimes I let them be successful, and I just squeeze them tight and I say, I love you this much. And then I draw them back, and I look them in the eye, and I say, I need you to look at me. I love you. I will always love you, and I will always forgive you. Doesn't matter how many times you do this, I will always love you and I will always forgive you no matter what. And then I say, do you know why I forgive you? And they say, well, because God loves us. Because God forgives us. I say, that's right. So you need to know that daddy sins too. But I'm loved and I'm forgiven and so are you. You. You are loved and you are forgiven. And by the way, for a second here, I realize that I'm speaking to parents, but some of y'all need to hear this as children. Some of y'all grew up in a home where it was punitive all day. Some of you grew up in a home in which you felt the weight of your sin and that's all you felt. And it's amazing how that follows you. I love my mom to absolute pieces. And we're at this unique season of life where the conversations we have now are different than they were when I was 17, 18. When, my, when, when I was one, my mom and dad divorced. My mom got treated horribly by the church. Horrible. Left all together. Called her names. I mean, just all kinds of horrible stuff. I only know just a shallow bit of the story. On top of that, she grew up in a, in a home where Jesus was talked about a lot, but it was, it was very legalistic. And it's amazing. I will sit down with my mom And I will have lunch with her. And tears will stream down her eyes as she works through the pain of her sin and how she messed up. And I gotta go, Mom, you you know that God loves you. You know that God forgives you. And what's crazy is she knows it. But I can't help but wonder... If there were so many years, there were decades of her feeling the way of her sin, and there was no one there to draw her back to Jesus and go, hey, this is why why we love Jesus, because he's forgiven us. Our kids need to know that. We need to sit down with our kids and we need to say, you have sinned, you have messed up, but you know what? You're loved and you're forgiven. Every single time, you are loved and you are forgiven. And here's the great thing uh, about God, is God doesn't just simply say, you know what, I love you, you're forgiven, I'm just you know, I'm gonna pull up the rug and I'm just gonna sweep your sin under the rug and, and you know what, no big deal, I'm God and I can say whatever I wanna say. And so as God, I say, I forgive you, we're through. God doesn't do that. God says, no, 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 no. Someone needs to pay for these sins. Because think of it this way. If God, see, no one ever gets bent out of shape how unrighteous it is of God to forgive you for the horrible things you've done. No one gets bent out of shape for that. We've all done some pretty bad stuff, and yet God forgives us. No one ever gets bent out of shape. That's pretty unrighteous. You're going to forgive him of that? But here's the thing. God, being righteous, says, you know what? Someone needs to pay for these sins. And so I'm going to take my son, Jesus. I'm going to take my son, Jesus. And I'm going to have him go pay the debt. Our kids need to hear that. Our kids need to hear that. I'll be real with you. I I was told about Jesus... For, for two decades, and finally one day it clicked. Finally one day I realized, I am a mess, and God still loves me. This is incredible. And I'm at the point, friends, where, I'll be honest... There are moments where I choose selfishness. There are moments where I choose pride. There are moments where I choose sin. But, but far above the rest, I don't want to sin. I, I, I want to live for Jesus because he's, what he's done for me, my, my desires have shifted. And I wonder if your desires have shifted. And I wonder if we are raising our kids where we're, we're, we're aiming at the desires of their heart not the fears of what could happen to them if they blow it again. And so every time our kid disobeys, and it's probably gonna happen this afternoon, may we sit down with them and and literally walk through, God loves you, God forgives you. God loves you, God forgives you. And you know what? You're probably gonna do this again. God loves you and God forgives you still. But here's what's even more amazing is God doesn't even stop there. It doesn't even stop there. Look, look, look at the rest of this passage. It says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So you have a ministry. You have a calling, if you will. You have a purpose for your life. That is, in Christ God He made him, that's speaking of Jesus, he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so God in love, he doesn't just discipline us with feeling the weight of our sin. He doesn't just in love discipline us by forgiving us and reconciling us and being gracious to us. But he actually empowers us and he says, you have a calling on your life. You have a calling on your life. There's other people who are broken and they need to hear about Jesus. There's other people who are lost and they they need to hear that God loves them and that God cares for them. I need to use you. Go. And so now, as of this week and working through this passage, after I go through this disciplinary cycle, if you will, with my son, I say, I said, now who are you? Zephaniah said, Yeah. But not only are you Zephaniah, you are loved by God. You are forgiven by God. And Zephaniah, look at me. He's all. Zephaniah, please look at me. You are called by God. God God wants to use you. I, I need you to be courageous, Zeph. You are called by God to do great things for his name. Now I'd love to say that we started doing this last week and all of a sudden Zephaniah, he's, he's leading mission trips to Africa and the reality is is he's not. The reality is, is he still disobeys and he still will. And, and there's some parents in here, you've got a prodigal. You've got a prodigal. They're 30 now. They're still a prodigal. It's amazing. The things that are now coming out of me that have never come out of me my whole entire life, but you can draw them back to how I was parented 15 years ago. And all of a sudden, they just come alive. And we need to understand that This is a battle. This doesn't happen overnight. Parenting is long, exhausting, but urgent work. They don't need you to parent when they're 15. They need you to parent when they're 30 hours old. They need you day in and day out to walk through this with them. And hopefully you're spending more time on your knees praying for them than you are on your knees disciplining them. But but let me ask you this. How are you disciplining your kids? Maybe we need to take a step back and we need to ask this. Have you allowed God to forgive you and to love you? Have you allowed God to take you out of any shame or guilt that you've grown up with and to be loved and to be forgiven because He wants to do that today? And, And may we begin to walk in that in the way that we raise our kids. May we tell them over and over and over until they're sick and tired of it you are loved and you are forgiven. You are loved and you are forgiven. Let's just say it together. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are and you are forgiven. May they, may they grow up, and that's just all they, I, I'm loved and I'm forgiven. I have a grandfather who had about 15 sayings that has made all its way down to me, because he just kept on saying it over and over again. Some of them are a little bit inappropriate, but most of them are really good. <laughs> are really good. And may we have those one-liners in our discipline that shape the kind of culture we have. You are loved and you are forgiven. You are loved by God and you are forgiven by God. May that, may we just preach that to ourselves. Let's pray. Gracious heavenly Father, thank you that we are loved and that we are forgiven. And some of some here they're just They're living in some guilt or they're living in some shame. Will you just whisper in their heart? We just say you're loved and you're forgiven? You're loved by the God of this universe and you are forgiven through Jesus Christ. God, if we get that, if we get how loved we are, if we get how forgiven we are, our desires are gonna change. We're just gonna go, I want nothing but to live for this great God who loves me and has forgiven me. I I don't want to sin. I don't want to do those tempting things because, because, God, you're better. And what you have for me, it is actually better. And God, thank you that we can stand in confidence knowing that you loved us and knowing that you continue to love us because you sent your son Jesus as a picture of love to die on the cross for us. Thank you for that. So Father, as we we just spend some time closing out with a couple of worship songs, as we sing, here's my heart, Lord, may, may that really be our prayer. May we just go, God, here's my heart. Will you please speak what's true? Speak your love, speak your grace, speak your forgiveness. I need you, God, to speak to me today. And God, would you answer, please? Would you please answer our hearts cry in your name? Amen.